Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college Ray and Tay. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are very excited to be with you on this Monday in July, and we have a special guest. We'll get right into it and bring him in to join us. Al Troutwig from MSG Network will be joining us. Hey, Al, are you on the line with us? It's Ray and Tay today. Ray and Tay, I am indeed here. How are you? (laughs) How are you? Where are you calling from? I'm out on the east end of Long Island in Safe Harbor. All right, oh, so you're there you back. Go. There you go. You're back. All right, well. Good, good to hear your voice you... again, Al. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining. We had to have you back. All of our viewers had such great things, so we figured we got we got to get you back, especially with the Olympics right around the corner. So let me jump into this. It's your eighth straight Olympics. Tell actually, the make it, what... make it, actually make it 16. 16? Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Well, wow. even better. Well, summer, winter, right? Yeah. Yeah, tell our audience what's that like, going, attending, as a fan, as a broadcaster? Well, I mean, it's a a pretty awesome experience because if you really consider it, you're going to a specific city, and that city is going to look the best that it either ever has or ever will or will for a very long time. Um, You know, culturally, you're experiencing so many great things so many unique sporting events and, you know, until they totally kill it with doping or whatever else they're doing, there still is a beauty and a purity of winning an Olympic gold medal. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, A lot of your, a lot of what you're going to do is centers around in this Olympics, I guess it centers around gymnastics, right? And so you've got a longtime partner with uh, Tim Daggett and now you've got Nastya Lukin joining you. So what's it like working with somebody that you work with, I guess, for, for multiple Olympics and then having a new broadcast partner? Well, you know, uh, Tim and I go back to Sydney in 2000. So we've been doing this for a long time together. Maybe we actually started in, uh, in 1997. So we have, a real, we have a friendship, and I have a real comfort. And one of the things that I do is I really don't prepare a lot because – on any given broadcast, let's say, for example, last year, we would do a, an American Cup. Maybe a million people watched, maybe two. In the Olympics, we think based on the ratings that we got to the Olympic trials that there may be 35 million people watching. So there are a lot of people who are into the gymnastics, but they're into it this year, and they're into it now. And there's a lot of things that they don't know. And I, I feel like just being the everyman, I'm a, I'm in a lot more curious mode with him, and I can get the best out of him by not knowing too much or trying to prove that I know too much. And with Nasia, it's um, it's a real challenge because, you know, she's a real champion, and she's a real competitor, and she doesn't like to be losing at anything. And so this television <laughs> thing is something she wants to win at. And oh, she, she tries to get better each and every show, she, you know, she when she was a gymnast, she didn't love us as broadcasters. Right. So there's there's that bridge to cross because you know we're, we're either too negative or whatever. I remember once when Nasi won the Olympic medal, she tried to come back to the next Olympics, and uh, she was really banged up and hurt. Her ankles were taped and all that stuff. And one night coming on the air, I said something like, "Her dream is held together with adhesive tape." And four years later, she throws that back at me as if I said it yesterday. So there, there's, there's wow. that. So she's still, she's still, she's still crossing the bridge of being an ex-athlete, and and that's a, it's a hard one to cross. Yeah, understandably so. I could, I could imagine it's, it's got to be tough. So Al, we, you know, spoke to you last time. So much, you know, we, we came up with doping and, and baseball and specifically with Lance Armstrong and obviously now with you know the Russian Federation and all the things that have come out and the different issues where do you think doping is specifically in the Olympics and the Olympic sports and just overall in sports in general are we behind it in the middle of it or you know just where do you think we're at 
Well, when you have entire federations backing a you know a mafia-like conspiracy campaign like that, I don't know where we are. All I know is people are still trying to cheat because it's worth to still try and cheat. I will never forget the day that uh, Russia was not. I was doing cross-country skiing in Sochi, and Vladimir Putin showed up one day and sat about three feet in front of my partner and I. And Russia goes on to win their one gold medal that day. Well, I'm sorry, that guy was cheating now. And so, if in the last Olympics it was happening, I guess it's still happening. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty pretty much. You know, you expect it, but it always, I think, in some ways, is going to be unfortunate. So, for you, besides gymnastics, and we've heard all of the different stories, are there any specific stories or events that you're looking forward to? Obviously, I think everyone is hoping the positive side of the water in Rio, but just maybe forgetting about the negatives of what that potentially of a mess it could be. What good stories are you looking forward to in, in Rio and different events and athletes? Well, let me just say something about the Olympics. I'm pretty used to this whole PR internet game. You know, there's a huge audience <laughs> of people that not only don't like, and there's a lot of reasons to pick on the Olympic movement, but the actual games themselves and what they mean to certain cities may or may not be one of them. Now, they didn't accomplish everything they wanted to accomplish in Rio. But understand this. There are probably more active cases of Zika in Puerto Rico than there are in Rio. And the water has been used, I think, in three different test events. And everybody didn't die. So there's that. I mean, I think they obviously have some crime and pollution problems. But I I really don't think it's going to do any any harm to the games. Will it be a story? Maybe if someone makes it one, but I, I just don't I just don't think so. Now, what good stories are you looking forward to? <laughs> well, my, you know, Michael, Phelps, Michael Phelps is yeah. is awesome, and and my particular yeah. event, I don't think anyone has been as as highly ranked as Simone Biles is. We have taken some video and put Simone Biles, part of her floor exercise, against and matched it up frame for frame with the same exact stretch of floor exercise that the greatest male gymnast in history does. And she matches him inch for inch in height, amplitude, timing, distance. She's the real deal. And this is a woman who Tim Daggett tells me she could fall three times and still win the gold medal. That's how good she is. And I want to see how she handles the pressure (laughs) Remember, London happens, and I think it was two months later she wins her first event, and that's how long she's been waiting for this. And she has stayed healthy. She doesn't make big mistakes. And then, you know, Team USA is also really, really deep. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of relatively insignificant gymnastics events to get us to this point, so that's what I'm excited about. Oh, that's great. Also, wait, let's bring it back. We love it. We love Olympics. (laughs) We do. We love it. It's going to be a great couple weeks. But let's bring it back domestically. Let's bring it back stateside. Uh, Your bread and butter is the MSG and and the Knicks and the Rangers. So let me ask you a couple questions about our, our favorite Knicks. So they've got three new starters. And which guy between Courtney Lee, uh, Noah, and Derek Rose do you think is going to have the biggest impact on on this 2016-2017 season? Well, I've spoken to some of the players, and I really believe that this is a really legit thing. Joachim Noah was a star, and he got demoted by his new coach. Derek Rose was an MVP, and he got almost replaced by Jimmy Butler as the man. You've got Courtney Lee, who has a little something to prove on a one-year contract, essentially. And you have a few other guys, like Justin Holiday at 27. He's bounced around all over the place. This is a put-up-or-shut-up time. And I love the fact that the Knicks have, including Carmelo, have guys who have something to prove. And, and I think that that's an intangible that's going to take that team a long way. I'm really excited about this season. I really am. And it's been a long time in coming, that's for sure. Long time since we've no. been excited. <laughs> oh, definitely. All Knicks fans have to be excited. So staying with that theme, though, um, liking the starters, the bench, and liking what Phil did, sort of give us the, the best-case scenario and how you think things could play out for the Knicks fans that come late April there actually will be playoff games in Madison Square Garden. You think we well, have that opportunity this year? 
the best case scenario is that Carmelo is Carmelo, and he plays like he did after the last Olympics. You know, he experienced a little winning. He experienced playing at the highest level. He comes walking through the door as someone who has stuck up for the country like he did before the ESPYs, which I think was a huge thing. He's going to be coming off the Olympics, and he's got something to prove, like I just said. And you've got Porzingis, a year smarter and a year better, with two kids from Europe. And if any of your listeners are Nick fans, oh yeah, go to go to uh, Willie Hernan Gomez and go to Zook and check out their highlight reel. And I know highlight reels can make anybody look good, but their oh, highlight we've been looking reels at it. <laughs> off the charts. We were checking it out. Yeah, no, definitely. everything, uh, everything goes to the rim. Everything and this guy and die that they signed last week. His reel is crazy, so I think they could have a really good bench. I mean, I know they're going to be young, they're going to be uh, enthusiastic. I, I like what Phil is putting in their brains. I like what I'm hearing from Jeff Hornacek, um, and I really love something happened in the off season. The Knicks went from we'll see to they went to a win now mode, and we'll just see if they can back it up. You know, we're going to get a sense pretty early on if they can back it up or not. So speaking of winning, the the winner in free agency was Golden State picking up Kevin Durant. No, I'm not sure and, about that. I'm not sure okay. about that. Look at okay. how, look at who's gone. Look at who they had to yeah, give a lot, up a lot of bets. money in. They lost yeah, a lot Bogut of bets. and Barnes. Well, they lost half a team. They lost Barnes. They lost Bogut. They, they lost most Bates. Yeah, they lost most Bates. Those are some serious pieces. And so you lose five, and you gain one, and I know the one you gained is great, and I know that that makes them seem like a winner. I, I, I'm just not sure. Hey, Al, that means you're not giving too much love to Zaza Pachulia and David West. Come on, Al. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I will, I, will forever, I will forever admire David West for taking the pay yes. cut that he did to take a shot at winning. I thought that was one of the coolest things going. Yeah, no, going you're right from Indiana about to San Antonio. So is there any reason to think, okay, so you think that people may challenge Golden State in the West? Uh, so that's question one. And then question two, can anybody challenge Cleveland in the East? Sure. We don't know if they're going to be able to keep J.R. Smith. I mean, guys get hurt. Things happen. You know, locker rooms get corroded with, you know, Bad morale, things, the stupidest little thing can take a team down. And I'm talking like the poker game on the plane. And I've seen it with the Knicks. <laughs> Stupid things yeah. can ruin a season. Something happened last year with the Knicks that, that went horribly wrong. And I still to this day can't get anyone to even give me a hint of what it was. So things happen to teams. And if you don't think a team with, you know, where J.R. Smith is fragile and. Yeah, just look at past history. 82 games is a long time to be together. Hey, he's a champion now, Al. You've got to be nice. He's a champion now. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's another thing. that when you, when you win a championship, it's a normal human thing to take a breath. Right. Just look at the, gold, just look at the Golden State Warriors. Up 3-1, take a breath. Oh, wait a minute. Draymond Green is out. Uh, we take it. We got this. No problem. Next thing you know, series over, you lose. So... I, I, I don't give anything to anybody, and I, I listen. I, I the Nick team of a few years ago that lost to Indiana, they were good enough to beat Indiana. I think they were good enough to do something great. They just lost their way, and J.R. Smith was part of that. You know, bad things can happen at the worst possible time. Well, speaking of good and bad things, going to the other side of the garden on on the ice with the puck. Look, after the Rangers had a great season, 101 points, and then they, you know, lose to the Penguins and the eventual champs and said the kid gets his second trophy, where do you think the Rangers are going into next season? And do you think the Ranger fans can expect, basically all of the Garden expect playoff teams next year? How do you think the Rangers are going to look? Boy, I'm really not sure. I, I think that Ranger team last year was totally out of gas. We've seen it happen with Boston. We've seen it happen with Pittsburgh. And what you have to really trust is that Jeff Gordon, the general manager, can rebuild on the fly like the Penguins did and the Bruins did. The Bruins had their chance, except they won the Cup. Penguins had their chance, and they won the Cup. And then along the way, they find out that their goalie may not be the best idea, so they switch goalies. They fire their coach. Mike Sullivan comes in, brings in a few young kids no one's ever heard of, 
and they're very ready to play, and they're very ready to be coached by him. It energizes the entire team, and they go on to a very improbable Stanley Cup. Now, the Rangers, you know, in a salary cap sport, when you get good, just about every year you've got to lose somebody. You know, with the Bruins, it was uh, 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 the big stud forward whose name escapes me at the moment. It'll come to me. But anyway. Saul. No. Uh, Milan Lucic. Oh, you know, when you yeah. when you're when you're losing a player like Milan Lucic, that's costly for the Rangers. They lost Carl Hagelin, they lost Ryan Callahan. They don't have Brian Boyle is gone, Anton Strollman. Now Derek Broussard is gone, and they're going with a younger kid who makes a lot less money. I think they saved five million dollars. You have to hope that those deals they pan out, and you know it's a it's a hit or miss thing. Rick Nash is a little bit older, coming off a. A very weak season. I'm not sure where where he is. And when the season ended, it felt like Henrik Lundqvist was giving up six goals a game and getting pulled in the third period. <laughs> and it felt like uh, all of a sudden some of their key stud defensemen forgot how to play the puck. And it was really, really weird the way that season ended. So I can't predict what's going to happen to the New York Rangers. I mean, my guess is that with Vigneault as the coach, they'll compete. And then, you know, because, hey, they tried to win it. With the President's Trophy, they tried to they tried to win it coming in sixth or seventh. They tried to win the way they did last year. They didn't work. So we'll see if there's another another method there. Yeah. Hey, but Al. Still, at, at this point, we don't even know who's on the team. Right. That's a start, right? <laughs> so let's while while we're talking Knicks and Rangers, let's take you back or take us back, nostalgic Knicks, Rangers, New York fans. What was it like in '94? In that summer of 94, and MSG did a whole documentary on it, and Gus Johnson did a great job narrating that. But what was it like in 94 in that building to have the Knicks come oh so close, in a, you know, losing in a game seven, and then the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup? I mean, what was that energy like? We, we watched most of it on, I mean, all of it on TV, but what was it like being in the garden in those games, those playoff games leading up to the finals in both hockey and basketball? The best part that I remember is that cherished it when it was happening. We didn't take it for granted. We knew right. that with the history of the Knicks and the history of the Rangers, this was not a normal thing. We just don't go to the cup final and the, and the NBA finals every year. So we knew that it was really, really special. Now, for me and, and my crew, I was doing both the Knicks and the Rangers games, so I was flying every day. It was unbelievable. I mean, I went from Vancouver to Houston, Houston to Vancouver, Vancouver to Houston, <laughs> and it was just it was just crazy, and when the Knicks had a three games to two lead, it was it was beyond euphoric. You know, I remember sitting up in the upper deck in the Houston Summit. I think I was sitting next to Mike and the Mad Dog, and I really didn't think that the Knicks could compete with Houston. I just didn't think they could. And I was sitting with my, with my producer, and in the first quarter, I said, "Oh my God, they can win this thing. They can do that." And you know, the city was just. You can imagine, you know, every every night was a different event. Uh, every game was a was a crazy. spectacle. And it we was, had OJ too <laughs> in the oh middle man. of that series. <laughs> so I, I'm sitting in the garden watching that game, and I don't know why I had a little television in front of me, and I was in the last row of a press box that doesn't exist anymore, and I was sitting right next to a fan, and I had the OJ chase on while the game was on, and this guy started cursing me out that I didn't have faith in the Knicks, and how could I distract myself? And it was crazy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's you know, and it's so funny. We were, you know, Tal and I always would. You know, let me tell you one more thing about it. Yeah, please. No inter, no, no internet. No. That's right. No, no real sports channels to talk about. I distinctly remember go, going home the night the Rangers won the cup. I think I got home around three o'clock in the morning. And I didn't want the night to end. There was no channel. There was no place for me to go to just continue to enjoy it. There was no, there was no show on. There was no nothing. There was nothing on to watch. There was no, you know, blog to listen to. There was no uh, anything. So compared right. to now, it, it would be a totally different thing. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's, that's no, great. No, no. So let me ask Perfect. you on, on that note. So you can hear in your voice that you're a sports fan. You also make your living in sports. Are you the exception or are you the norm in that business? I mean, are most people in the sports, in the broadcasting business, 
hardcore sports fans like you are. I mean, you you have the story of you were a ball boy as a kid. So are people as genuinely into sports, or is it? Would you find that you people do it for a profession and they may not be as into it as you are? You know, I think it's like like life. You know, everybody's into it to a different level. You can't not be into it and you know stick it out for a really long time. You know, right. Kenny Albert is is into a completely different aspect of sports than I am. You know, Kenny's into weird stats and numbers and things like that. I, I'm more into the human element of it. Like, wh- what are we experiencing as human beings here? How can I help that analyze and break down what is going on? Because I think human nature is more part of it than anybody even gives it a credit for. You know, Mike Breen is just a huge NBA fan, lives it, breathes it, and I think that shows. So I don't think you last very long if you're not a real, real sports fan. So, Al, let me ask you this, because there's something that's very fascinating with sports and, and winning titles and championships, and we all talk about it and hear about it with legacy and you know, you have Duncan and Kobe retire, and now maybe Garnett might join him because of his knees. And when we talk about getting the championship for LeBron and, and, and there's sort of the pressure now for Durant to win it and Chris Paul, but is it the same way in hockey? Is it coming to a point where for Washington and the Capitals, for Alex Ovechkin, is, is there some sort of pressure amongst hockey fans or broadcasters or a hockey elite that like this great, you know, legendary player can't break through and win. What what are your thoughts about that? And do you think he feels that pressure or do people put that pressure on him? Oh no, he totally feels that pressure. And that's one of the reasons that I thought the Stanley cup final was so impressive. If you don't think that the San Jose sharks are playing with the heaviest weight on their shoulders, because they think they should have won a cup 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's an enormous thing. And this is, you get back to the human nature thing. Everything is good. But when, when there is that weight, the pressure to win, what happens when something goes wrong? Can you handle it? What happens when, as Pat Riley used to call it, there's a thunderbolt? You know, there's a bad deflection in overtime that flips the series upside down. Can you handle it? And, I, I, you know, listen, it's what the Capitals are built for. It's what the San Jose Sharks are built for. And, you know, just not everybody's going to win a championship. That's just what, it, it, what makes it so special. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, fascinating. And, you know, we have these debates, you know, on our sports radio show and obviously all over all the media. And it's just fascinating to look at it, on, you know, from the hockey point of view because it's not often, you know, talked about. Well, what, what do you guys think? What do you is. find fascinating about it? What do you find fascinating about it? I want Alex to win, and I'm, you know, I grew up an Islander fan, and I, you know, remember Bossy and you know, and those guys. But when thumb. you look at, right, but when you look at great players in any sport, you feel that angst or frustration time and time again when they go through a whole season and the whole playoffs and they don't get it done. And anyone that's great. I think whether you're a fan of that team or not, you still kind of root for greatness to to sort of, you know, reach its its apex. And so not that I wanted Durant to go to Golden State and potentially get his ring. I would have loved to have seen him do it in OKC, but I definitely want to see Durant win, but I'd almost rather see Chris Paul do it with the Clippers. And for Alex, I'd like to see Al, you know, Sid the Kid got his done, but I'd like to see, I'd really like to see Alex win it. Now, next year, I want the Islanders to win, but if not – if Alex gets it, I'll be so happy for that guy because I, I see his greatness. You know what I mean? Well, uh, listen, I totally agree with you. But on the flip side, it's a reminder of how intricate team sports is and how special oh, yeah. it is to, to have someone putting the pieces together. Like when the Rangers won in 94, the biggest rift of the season happened between Mike Keenan and Neil Smith when Mike Keenan essentially – engineered deals that Neil Smith didn't want to make that essentially won the Rangers the cup. They couldn't coexist after that, but fascinating. What, what are the pieces that Alexander Ovechkin needs? What were the pieces that Sidney, Hey, Sidney Crosby's own organization didn't realize what pieces he needed. It took this huge upheaval of a coach and, and then it happened because it had to. And something's got to happen with Washington. You know, they've changed coaches. They've changed philosophies. They certainly were good enough to win the cup, but hockey's one of those sports, man. One weird deflection changes everything, 
And it doesn't have to come from anybody's lack or, or, or growth in their skill. It could just be a weird-ass deflection. And that's no, definitely. sometimes that's that what makes a hot goalie. goalie. And a hot goalie, too. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Hey, Al, speaking of special, do you think – now, he killed us in 99. We had no chance in 99. Uh, I'm talking about the San Antonio Spurs and specifically Tim Duncan. Do you think that another Tim Duncan will play in, in the NBA and team sports? And the reason I ask is because this guy is such a character, apparently, with his teammates, and yet – during the games, you don't you think he has no personality. He was actually a really, uh, what they say is a great leader, and he's so self-deprecating, and he takes coaching. So apparently Popovich just kills him and the rest of the stars in San Antonio, and they take it, and they get coached up like high school kids get coached and like AAU kids maybe get coached. But it seems like as you advance, people don't just listen to their coaches and don't just play and trust their coaches. Now, granted, Popovich is a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't when they first started. So is Tim Duncan a rarity, the combination of talent and, and also the ability to be coached? Well, it's that whole situation that's that's rare, right? I mean, uh, David Robinson has to get hurt, and San Antonio has to be so bad that they get the number one pick that start the whole dynasty going. Yeah. And you have yeah. to have – you have to have John a coach Elliott like Greg too. Popovich. Uh, the whole the whole way, everybody. Do you know how much money Tim Duncan made this year? Something like seven or eight million, something not five. that much. Five. Five. Million. Yeah, five. he really uh, he took a, a big cut. No, he's so, a special guy. He he, he that, really that, that whole circumstance is, is really, really interesting. And I really thought Doc Rivers was gonna recreate that circumstance in LA, but for some reason it's just not coming together. And that word that you used Trust, that's the biggest word in the NBA by far. If you imagine, imagine Carmelo Anthony's dribbling the ball up the floor last year. And the concept to pass the ball to who? Who's better than me? Who do I trust? Maybe Porzingis. So if you get in a guy's head and you just think about the word trust in, in the deepest sense of the word, passing the ball in this spot is a good idea by me. Why? And that's what the Spurs had. They just had this enormous trust with, with really good players and a, and a coach that, you know, had the right temperament. You know, he, he'd go out and be negative with the media so that the players could chuckle if the coach was on their side. And you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Right. So, Al, you know, we could talk to you forever. We're very respectful of your time. We appreciate you joining us. But i got to ask you this because I'm so fascinated because I, I know you boys. Ah, great. I love thank to hear that. You, but I know you. you've got this vast knowledge of basketball and just your experience with the Knicks. And recently we had our buddy Dave Sims on the show who used to, you know, always be at the Garden and everything. And But I wanted to ask you, when you see uh, Mike D'Antoni now back in NBA with the Rockets and, you know, the whole issue with the Spurs and Suns and should the Suns have gotten to the finals if, the you know, leaving the bench wasn't called with St- Amari and, and Marion and all that stuff – and his style of play, you know, which didn't work in New York and sort of kind of was similar with the Golden State Warriors and now the, you know, three-point shot and the analytics. Do you think the NBA game is better with the three-point shot and just so many people taking it? Or do you sort of miss the days of the big dominant center, the post-up game, maybe not the hand-checking, so maybe we want a combination of the two. But just where do you lie in terms of you're seeing such a different game? What do you prefer and what do you think is better for the fans and, you know, even for kids learning how to play? Well, the thing that that I treasure is the team game. You know, the passing the ball around to the open man. I mean, the three-point yeah. shot, I'm an ABA guy. You know, when Kyrie <laughs> Irving hits that three, you know, you stand uh, up in your office. You know, I mean, that's exciting. I don't think yes, that goes well. anywhere. But I think teams that, teams that just move the ball and find the open man, it's its old school, but it works. And, yeah. um, you know, not all teams are capable of that. And sometimes it does come down to a trust thing. I mean, you know, there are times when, you know, when Derrick Rose was being the MVP, he was just flat-out selfish. And he was good enough to pull it off, but he was flat-out selfish. And I don't think it made his team better. Um, so I'm a really big proponent of old old school pass the ball, find the open man, 
work off the screen. Um, and, like and the Bill other Jackson thing that, the Knicks in '73 when they won. <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing that I've learned, and it's to me, it's one of the more amazing things to watch if you're a real NBA fan. Watch what teams do out of a timeout. That to me is the instantaneous way to find out: is this coach working? Does he know what he's doing? Is he connecting with his players? It's unbelievable. There are some coaches who are great at it. And it gives the team a tremendous inner belief in the coach, in themselves, in their ability to get an easy hoop when they really need one. And that's all part of the team game. The coach is part of the team. Speaking of coaches, do you think our former Knicks, Jeff Van Gundy, and actually your your colleagues now in broadcasting, Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, are they going to find their way back to the bench? Or are they going to remain broadcasters for the foreseeable future? There were a bunch of jobs I thought they both could have got this year. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, you've got to be careful with Mark. You know, religion is such a big part of Mark's life. And it's just a big part of the way he, he coaches. And I always said this about Michael Vick. When Michael Vick got in trouble with the dog fighting. And you, you decide to bring him back, and you have 53 men in the room. How many of those 53 men not only like but love dogs? Half? A lot. 30? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So what are, the, what are the odds that a guy who loves dogs is going to be willing to dive on something to, to save Michael Vick? I, I don't think that that works. So if you take a guy who has some, some life belief and you put him in a room, and let's say half the room is like him, and half the room is not, I think you run a risk there. And with Jeff like Van Charlie Gundy, Ward in the Knicks, right, in, in those early 90s? Yeah, I mean, you know, Charlie Ward, you know, would sign his autograph with a Bible passage, and I admire the guy for being faithful, but there's a certain amount of yeah, people. Yeah, but, Charlie, but Charlie, could, Charlie didn't know the basics, Al, of being a point guard. Anybody that went to basketball camp, you don't give up your dribble and you don't dribble into the corner. So Charlie Ward oh, well, should have been a quarterback. <laughs> let's let's be honest. That's I don't even totally, want to talk about totally, Charlie. That's a totally totally different story. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. But it's it, I don't know. I disagree with you on on the Michael Vick side of it because I thought not only was he well received by the Eagle teammates, he came back and had an MVP season and was amazing. And 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 that whole team was you know I mean his performance that season you know the second year back was incredible. I didn't say so he couldn't be a good to, player. To work. I didn't say he couldn't right. be a good player. I just said that when you get down to really intense team chemistry, I think that's a potential problem. With, so you think that could be holding Mark back? But what about Jeff? No, I. I listen, and there's I other coaches Jeff, in the league that have you know big religious believe Monty Williams and you know, oh, no, no, that, other that, guys that's too. Not part of, that's not part of Jeff Van Gundy's story. I think Jeff was actually tantalized about a couple of jobs. But Jeff wants to come back the way his brother came back and the way that Tom Thibodeau went to Minnesota. He wants to be in charge of the whole, the whole thing. And those right, jobs right. are very rare. They're very rare. You know, a lot oh, of and Thibodeau's going to do a great job with those young kids. Well, Oof, they're going to be good. Well, I just, you know, what did Tom do in Chicago exactly? He didn't win any championships. Right. Well, he was no, the defensive coordinator on that Celtic was, team that won, uh, you know, that won a championship. And that's not a head coach. That's not a head coach. That's true. He that's he took them down. That's fair. That's fair. You know what I think that's hard about Tibbs? He will. He will. He's sort of. Uh, you know, we joke about it with baseball with um, the guy that coached uh, the Yankees and the Diamondbacks, and he gets everybody ready to win a championship, and then the next guy's got to come in and do oh, it. Oh, Buck Showalter, think, yeah. You want to be Buck the guy Walter. after Buck. So, Tibbs, yeah, you want to be the, Buck, the guy after Tibbs. Tibbs will teach Towns and Wiggins and now Chris Dunn and Zach Levine uh, to have the fundamentals of good, solid defense to win a championship, but maybe to get over the hump, then you've got to bring in the next guy to win it. And, and you might have a great point there because players love Tibbs, but they also – secretly probably complained to the Bulls organization, which we can all agree is a mess up top, but they, you know, he practiced them too hard and too much. Well, okay. So how, how did that work out? I mean, there's not a lot of fun in his life. That's for sure. 
That's well, that's why we, we 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 both kind of think it. You know, Tibbs is is a, a three year max, and then you got to go to another direction. You know, and you got to bring in I, Billy I Donovan. I'm big on Billy Donovan. I think you know an ex Nick Providence Friar. I think uh, yeah, he showed Billy. himself very well in these playoffs. I actually I really thought that Billy was going to find a way to pull that off. I was surprised the way that played out. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Al, this was great. This was fun, and we just we'd love to have you back anytime. You got to tell everybody at MSG we love you guys post game. We watch the show, you and Alan, and and um, of course, you know, Mr. Wally Zerbiak. You know, it's uh, it's, yeah, we it's don't a like great watch. <laughs> you guys have a lot of fun. <laughs> you have a lot of fun, and um, you know, hey, yeah, keep Ray, doing Ray and what Tay, you're doing, Ray and Tay Al. need to be there with you. We're big fans. We'd love to we love to see you. We'd love to join you one day and uh have a great time in Rio, both as a fan and as a broadcaster. And I know you said you're bringing your family there, so so have a great uh time during the Olympics and afterwards too. Thanks guys. We really appreciate it, Al. Thank you so much. All right, bye. Take, Take care, care, Al. Thanks again. Bye. That was awesome. You know, like always, talking to a legendary broadcaster, 16 Olympics, so many seasons with the Knicks and Rangers, covering all sports and giving you a thoughtful and honest perspective that you don't always get, you know, also backed up with his passion and the knowledge. So Al Trowick is definitely classic voice as well you know al could have a tv and a radio voice you know what i mean it, it's great it's great he's got so, entertainment <clears throat> voice right definitely Sports definitely so and entertainment i gotta give ray his props he called it um spenson gets it done and you know negative minus 20 he shoots and poor phil minus 17 loses basically over $700,000 coming in second place. And they win by so much, you know, minus six, third place for Holmes. You know, and I'm happy for Sten, you know, um, Stenwick, I mean, Stenson and, and, yeah, Stenson and and the first Swede, you know, to win a major and to get that done and to win the British Open, that's huge. I feel fulfilled today, though, I do, because you said it to me off air, not only to come in second and be so close, but to do it at 46 and to play so well. I mean, what what did he shoot yesterday? A 65. 65. To shoot a 65 <sighs> on the final round final of a major and, lose. and to it's be to lose by three when you're in the final <laughs> pair. Picture this: if you're in the final pairing and somebody tells <sighs> you you'll shoot a 65. In a major, you sign up for you're it. thinking to yourself, sign up. I'm, I'm winning. winning by three, four strokes. No big deal. But I will say this, Henrik Stenson's 40, right? So it's nice to see, yes, you know, Phil is an is a ongoing story with him and his wife and, and the whole thing. But I also like to see guys win for the first time. So to see a 40-year-old who probably doesn't have that many chances to win a major – Win himself. No, that might be his major. one and done. <laughs> you know, and that's okay. And he played I mean, to great. Win, the way he played play to great. win at minus twenty at Royal Troon, that's great. Good for him. And yeah, still has no, nothing it, to be ashamed of. I mean, there's sometimes where you come in second and you choke, and you come in second and you just don't deliver on Sunday. But Phil played about as well as he can play and still lost. So even though it's a little bit painful, you can look. You can hold your head up high and look in the mirror and say, I just got beat by a better man today, but no doubt that my performance was outstanding. Oh, Phil has, has got to be proud. And it's, um, you know, you, you can't tell him that today. And, you know, I don't know how long, you know, you have to ask the great athlete, how long does the sting of the loss, you know, linger? But, you know, he he didn't. He didn't lose it, you know. Henrik won it, and and that's that's the best compliment or the you know what you could really say about that, because that was phenomenal. You know what I mean? To 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 watch and you know people have said it all day, and it's true. It, it might have been the best final round of golf, you know, at a major that you might ever see. You know, two players battling it out and shooting and playing so well. I mean, it's uh, it's mind-boggling. So 
we gotta talk. We gotta get into some baseball, but we gotta talk about some signings, man, in football and in basketball. Real quick in football, look, you know, we talked about the other day with Von Miller and and and, and Tucker from the Ravens, but our boy Mo Wilkinson got the uh, four-year deal with the Jets, and I, and I was very happy, you know, for Mo, Big Daddy, and you know, the Jets, they're trying to have a special defense. And locking him up, Ray, I think was a major part of keeping that. And you want to keep, you know, uh, Richardson as well. And he's obviously had his issues and his one-game suspension. But I think having uh, Wilkerson, it's it's going to be major. Now, if they could ever sign their quarterback, (laughs) I don't know what you think is going to happen or what you think should happen with that. Um, But I I do think the Jets, they, they need Fitzpatrick. And then maybe it's time to just do a one-year deal. If he will do it, I don't know. But what, what do you yeah, think they about need them 50. signing? It's it's almost August. You know, you need to bring him in already. Stop Training playing around. Training camp is in less yes. than two weeks, right? <laughs> it's like a ten. Yeah, I'm days glad. Away. I'm glad Mo is back. Um, the Jets have, like you said, a special defense. They've got a defensive coach. The time is now. Brady's going to be gone for four games. The AFC East is a little unpredictable. Miami, who knows what they'll put on the field. Buffalo's been disappointing the last couple of years. So this is the time. The iron, you have to strike while the iron is hot. So It's going to be competitive, though, because I believe all four teams have gotten better. I mean, look, the Bills are looking to bring in, because uh, Carlos Williams got suspended for four games. They're looking to sign Reggie Bush to help with McCoy. The Dolphins just signed Arian Foster. Uh, to come in on a one-year deal. So him and Jay Ajaya will be their running backs. We'll see what Adam Gaze has in store there. You know, Foster's your guy. If he's healthy, maybe he'll contribute, you know. Um, but you got to believe Dolphins and Bills are going to play some good football, and so will the Jets. And the AFC East, it's going to be a dogfight. And now I don't think the Patriots go any worse than 2-2. Two and two. So at 2-2 two and two or 3-1, and one, you know, Listen, and he comes back game five, Brady against the Browns. <laughs> so look for 50 points there. So it's it's going to be a great season. I just hope the Jets can compete, and I don't want to see Geno out there. I'm sorry. You know, as a Jets fan, that, that would be nerve-wracking to me. <laughs> nerve-wracking, <laughs> to say the least. It is. I'm being honest. It's like Sanchez, you know. I, I don't care. Like, I'd be, I'd be floored if the Broncos week one against the Panthers come out there with Sanchez. I'd rather see Trevor Simeon from Northwestern or Paxton Lynch than you starting Sanchez. As a backup, fine. But starting him week one, that, that would be – I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. I don't know. You know. But we got to say goodbye to another legend, Ray. Peanut Charles Tillman retires after 13 seasons in the NFL. He had a pretty darn good career, wouldn't you say? He did, and what I liked about Charles, I'll call him Charles, what I liked about Charles is that (laughs) he played defense and he played special teams, and he played both of them excellently. And in this day and age where there's so much money on the table, you know, it's very rare that you have your starters getting hit and playing. You know, your return guys are usually uh, second or third string. But I loved his impact on the game, especially on special teams. But Charles Peanut Tillman, you'll be missed. But, look, 13 years, that's that's an impressive, that's an impressive career. And all, you know, all in in the spotlight, right? We saw this kid and we said, wow, this kid can make plays. This kid makes an impact on the game. Oh, he's got a ton of interceptions and forced fumbles. That Bears defense, when he was there with Erlacher and Briggs, they were causing trouble, you know. 08, 07, 09, you know, that team, you know, Tillman was really, he was special, you know. He, he really was special. And, um, you know, he'll definitely be missed. Now, on the NBA side, we got to send out the big rest in peace to Nate Thurman. And you and I didn't see him play, but I think the best thing that, you know, we can hear or anyone talk about is Chamberlain saying, look, Russell was tough, but Nate gave me a whole lot of problems, you know. And he was there with the Warriors and played with Rick Barry and, you know, was definitely probably, I guess, at a lot of – time in the league third or fourth best center 
you know, dealing with, you know, I guess Wilt and Russell and then some of the Kareem era. So, you know, at some point in time, he was either third or fourth best, and that's not too bad, you know. <laughs> He's no, a Hall of Famer no. and NBA a great player. NBA so. was for decades a position of strength. Yeah, no, it's good to good to see um, you know, people honor him and and share a, a lot of love. You know, he lived obviously a pretty, you know, full life. I think he was 74 when he passed, so 74. We definitely yeah. say yeah, rest in peace to Nate. Now some signings, Ray. We 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 got some stuff, man, you know, with 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 the basketball and the hoops. Now look, Ray's going to tease me and laugh at me. But Tyus <laughs> Jones is the Summer League MVP, and tonight, ESPN2, it's graduated from NBA TV, and now it's on ESPN2. The Minnesota Timberwolves will be playing the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Las Vegas Summer League Championship. It is must-see TV. You're watching Bobby Portis get busy. The Bulls are going to be better. I keep telling everybody, better than everybody thinks next year, you know, with – Dougie McBuckets, who's playing on the Olympic Select team against, you know, the Olympic guys. You're going to see Portis. They've got Denzel. Denzel Valentine is tearing it up. And they've been playing really well. And I like them bringing in Wade and Rondo with Butler. And I think the Bulls are a team, you know, to, to look forward to. And like I said to Al, the young Timberwolves, you know. I mean, Tyus jo- Now, they're saying they're not going to trade Rubio, Ray. I think that's a mistake. How do you have enough minutes? For Jones I know and you're gonna Dunn play and Rubio, especially because they're small and they can't shoot. Yeah, you know yeah. Rubio I'm, is. I'm surprised. It's too many it. point guards. You, three point guards that all need to I play. I mean, you know, you know, in Phoenix, <laughs> having had yeah. those three point guards. Well, look, look what it's happened. Just... Isaiah Thomas and Eric Bledsoe and Goran Dragic were all on the same team, and nothing came out of that. And when they all broke up. Everybody did their thing. Now Bledsoe got hurt, yeah. but but Dragic went to uh, went to my. He'll do better this year when when Wade's not there. But they needed yeah. to be apart. They needed space. They needed to be able to run their own show. No, you're, you're totally right. Especially the for Pacers point guard, you know. What, what are you going to do? Play two point guards at right. the same time? And just, I don't think it works. No, you're totally right. And Chris Dunn is looking. You know, he got a little hurt in the summer league, so he won't probably play in the championship tonight and has missed the last couple of games. It's really been Tyus Jones and Adrian Payne who's looking pretty good. Um, you know, the the Timberwolves have got a plethora of talent, and I think to even improve it, maybe at the three or four, you know, back up to Wiggins or, you know, maybe a solid starting four if you don't want to go with Payne, you know, maybe you trade a Rubio and a future pick or Rubio and and somebody else to get a a better four. I don't know, but I just think keeping three-point guards is too much. But I do like what the Pacers have done, Ray, getting Aaron Brooks, who has bounced around the last couple years, and he signs another one-year deal, um, you know, to join the Pacers to back up Jeff Teague. And I, I gotta say, I really, Larry Bird is—he's won the off season. If if the Warriors are one, the Pacers have got to be right there. I, I'm really impressed, and I think it's. it's I was a small interested quiet. to hear about. I was interested to hear about Al talking about how he thought that adding Durant was great, but he was worried about the losing the three, four guys that they lost. I would agree I'm not with that him worried. if they. Yeah, no, I'm not that worried. I would only agree with him if they lost Livingston or Iguodala. Then I would agree with Al. But when you keep that core six, you know, you're still going to have Varazal, who, by the way, refused to take the Cavaliers ring. He's like, no thanks, I'm with the Warriors, and he signed back up with the Warriors this year. You know, and then you add Zaza, Pachulia, and David West, who I think are very good moves. Yeah, Bogart and Barnes and Brandon Rush and Azili and Mo Spates, they're, they're, they're big pieces. But, you know, you're keeping McAdoo, you're, you're, you're keeping, um, you know, Iguodala and, and, and Sean Livingston, who's the biggest key. Yeah, you lose Barbosa, who I think they might miss a little too. He went to, back to Phoenix. But I think overall they'll be fine, and they're not finished filling out that roster yet. They still probably have two or three more guys, you know, to kind of fill in. Also, Ray, um, another little move, you know, to mention, um, Miles Plumley, 
re-signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Four years, $52 million. Goodness gracious, Ray. This guy was a backup center, averaging four, five, six points a game. God bless America. <laughs> that's all well, I can say. We're watching the games, and that's blowing up the TV contract money, which is then going yeah. 50% of that goes to the players. So The league what? is so they healthy. So, so healthy. And, you know, that's why I really believe in, in the expansion, you know, and I know you don't feel that way and some other people don't as well. But I, I just I just think – and not just that, Ray. I'm seeing the summer league and I'm seeing the talent. There are so many good players now that are going to Europe each year or going to the NBA DL League and, you know, to the D League and guys that I'm telling you, you, you could really, you know – like you said, let's say if you know what they can keep their top eight, and then the other guys or top nine, and you have a, a an expansion draft. I forgot how they did it back in the days with the Magic and the Heat, but you know, to me, I think you could get quality guys to expand two more teams, and then you know, be involved with you know free agency and stuff like that. I really feel that. You know, you could go to Mexico City and Seattle and, and the league still be healthy at 32, do some realignment like the NFL, and then have the East and West, you know, four divisions, four teams in each division, and really go forward to the future of 2018, the new NBA. That's, if I was Adam Silver, how I would do it. You know what I'm saying? Commissioner. <laughs> Hey, yeah. let's, let's talk let's about baseball, some, man. Yeah, let's get into some baseball. We feel like we're neglecting baseball a little bit, but don't worry. Nah, we, we got you. We Second it. half, hey. all-star game is behind us. We're going to talk yeah. baseball. Don't worry, Ray yeah, and We talked a lot of it last show, man. That whole, you know, looking at the legacies of those old teams with the Mets, Braves, Dodgers, and Oakland A's that we thought should have won more. Fans like that, and that was a lot of fun. We got a big series starting, Mets and Cubs. First, I guess we should say, were you happy that our Yankees finally won a game and did not get swept by the Red Sox? Yes, and did you hear the stat that the Yankees were under 500 for the first time in the second half of the season since 1995? It it, it kind of broke my heart when I heard it. That's pretty amazing. It is amazing, but it also, you know, it's sort of like White Prince, sign of the times, you kind of feel like we're heading towards a tailspin with not too much minor league help that the Yankees might not be too good for a while. Now, maybe so you like the right. Rangers, you know, we but need it, some it's youth. Uh, right. I, I just hope, you know, somewhere, somehow, you know, and they got a big series coming up with Baltimore. But what do you think about this Mets Cub series? You know, in City Field. The Mets put a spanking on the Cubs before the All-Star break. What do you think is going to go down? Um, I don't know what the, I think the update of the score is I think the, it's 3 Cubs nothing Cubs right revenge. now. They're yeah, in the bottom revenge. of the fourth. It's, yeah, I think the Cubs win two out of three. They, they take care of business. Um, to me, the Cubs really need this series because they were gangbusters on pace to win 117, 118 games, and they hit the wall. Then the All-Star game came, and their four guys were the infield for the National League, so they were all fired up. And I think they're ready. I really do. I think they're ready. It's growing pains, right? But this Mets team put it on them and took care of them in last year's playoffs, so took care of them at City Field. So I I think revenge is what's going to happen. Are you concerned about the the Mets with their pitching, you know, losing – the dark night, and hopefully, you know, Syndergaard is healthy enough and Mats has got to step up. Do you think the Mets sort of fade away and lose out on the wild card to either the Cardinals and Dodgers or Cardinals, Dodgers, or Pirates? Or do you think the Mets can sort of stay around? They're six back to Washington. They can definitely stick around the wild card. I think Washington has proven that they're a good team. Remember, this team won 96 games two years ago, and I think last year they won 83 or something like that. So – you know, up and down last couple of years, but this Washington team is for real. Now, Strasburg is still throwing darts. I don't know that that will continue in the second half, but this Nats team, I think, wins the division. I'm pretty pretty confident in that. Now, in terms of the wild card right now, 
You've got they're up the, on the Dodgers. They're a load of Dodgers, but they're up on the uh, right. On the Cardinals so you've got the, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Pirates. They're always going to be there. Now, the only good thing about the Mets is that the Cubs, the with the uneven schedule, the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Pirates all have gonna to beat, beat each other, other either 18 or 19 times. So they're going to beat each other up. So the Mets have some hope there, but you know what? The Mets can't really hit. Um, they, you know, David but Wright. But that's what I'm saying. Do, do, are they buyers? Was supposed to be. The, are they buyers? They should the be. They should be because you know what? When you have this young they're pitching too good staff, not to, they're yeah. too good, and you have to strike while the iron's hot. And and guess what? Matt Harvey's up. You got to sign him. And yeah. will they sign? Once I don't you, know. Once you get into playoffs, anything can happen. So if you're close to it, you got to go for it and try to make the playoffs. You got to go for it. And you know what? It's about time the Mets developed a winning tradition because they had it in oh five, oh six, oh seven. Those teams where Paul LaDuca, who was on the on the show, friend to the show, was on the team. Uh, they had that great infield. They had some really exciting playoff games, especially that, that game, Andy Chavez's catch against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, God, but it, it would that. be nice to see the Mets consistently in the playoffs, consistently winning, consistently drawing fans, expecting to win. That's what you want. You wouldn't want them to go to the World Series, if you're a Mets fan, obviously, you wouldn't want them to go to the World Series and then not even make the playoffs the next year. I mean, what kind of craziness is that? You, you're talking about this might be the best pitching staff in Major League Baseball history, and you can't even make the playoffs? That's no, crazy. no, you, you, have to, you have to do something. And I just wonder, you know, what are they willing to do to, you know, get and what bat will be available? I mean, hey, maybe they just get somebody from the Yankees, and I don't know if that's a Carlos Beltran. If the Yankees are willing well, to get him, that would be interesting. Up. The ex Met that got run out of town. He actually had five-year yeah, contract. No. They get three and a half, almost four good years, and yet people think yeah. of him as a disappointment. No, and then he you know goes away and has success with the car. I mean, listen, it's fascinating how sometimes it, it's about timing, right? Going to the city or being at a place, and it just might be the wrong time. Um, you know, and like you said. The Astros, man, four and a half back now. They're, they're trying to see if they can do what they need to do to catch the Rangers. I think I'm going to say the Yankees are going to be sellers at the deadline, they and they should be. I, I really I hope that that's the case. Do, do, you, do you think they've got stuff to sell? <laughs> Carlos Beltran. <laughs> uh, look, I don't know if people want their salaries, but – I'm at the point where I could get rid of Teixeira, McCann, CeCe. Yeah. I don't have any allegiance for these guys because, I mean, that's not true. They've all contributed, and, and I can't be that flippant about it. But if you can start to build young talent, you need to. Everybody on the Yankees who's making a material contribution, uh, you know, Didi Gregorius is, is younger, uh, and, but all the position players are all old. And what about Milwaukee and Ryan Braun? Could you see him going to a contender and helping and getting young, you know, getting some young, you know, people for him? Because yeah, it might be I mean, time the Brewers to let that back go, right? They might be, especially given what happened a few years ago with the whole steroids thing. I but think it's time. Ryan Braun could be a great addition to somebody's outfield. Ooh. What if the uh, Astros or the Rangers or what are these teams? The Indians could use another bat. Listen, it's going to be fascinating, and we love, uh, you know, baseball. They have the trade deadline, which doesn't mean anything because then you got the second deadline with waivers. But that will be coming up. We'll talk about it. This is going to be a great sports week, you know, and, and, and everybody just – Love one another, and let's have some peace out there. That, that's that's all we're praying for, whether it's in Baton Rouge or anywhere else in America and the world right now. Let's have some peace, you know. And uh, yeah. great show. And have, Thanks have to Have a Al. great sports week. Thank you to Al Troutwig getting us ready for the Olympics. Oh, and by the way, we're oh, going to pick up baseball coverage. We'll pick up a lot more Olympics coverage. Yes, and it'll be great to listen uh, to Al doing gymnastics. It should be fun. So, Thanks again, and uh, have a great sports week, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. We're out. See you.